If I ever found myself on trial, today's guest is one man I would not want to see sitting at the district attorney's table. Vincent Bugliosi is a former prosecutor for the Los Angeles DA office. He successfully prosecuted 105 out of 106 felony cases there and 21 out of 21 murder cases, among them Charles Manson. Mr. Bugliosi went on to a career as an author, starting with Helter Skelter, the story of the Manson murder case. It is the best-selling true crime work ever. He hit number one in the New York Times bestseller list twice more in the true crime genre with And the Sea Will Tell, a story of murder among the yachting set, and Outrage, a look at how O.J. Simpson beat the rap despite overwhelming evidence that he was guilty. The Supreme Court ruling in December 2000, halting the vote count in Florida, outraged him. When Mr. Bugliosi wrote about it in The Nation, it drew the largest outpouring of letters and email in the magazine's 136-year history. His subsequent book, The Betrayal of America, How the Supreme Court Undermined the Constitution and Chose Our President, is widely regarded as one of the best summaries of the legal machinations which made George W. Bush president. Mr. Bugliosi's current work reflects 20 years working on the 1963 murder of our 35th president. The book is titled Reclaiming History, the Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Unlike all previous works, this one sets out to examine every aspect of the case. It concludes that the Warren Commission got it right. Lee Oswald and Lee Oswald alone was the perpetrator. We record this one day after Mr. Bugliosi addressed the Distinguished Commonwealth Club in San Francisco. I'm very pleased to say, Vincent Bugliosi, welcome to Radio Parallax. Doug, uh, thank you for having me on your show, and I want to tell your listeners how conscientious you were. You drove from Sacramento to San Francisco just to hear me, and uh, that's not common. So obviously you're a person of uh, uh, considerable depth, and I'm honored to be on your show. Uh, my first question, sir, this, this is surely the largest single work written about the case, 1.5 million words. How much time did this take? Well, I started working in 1986, Doug, on this case. Uh, I was the, quote, prosecutor of Lee Harvey Oswald in London. Jerry Spence, the famous lawyer from Wyoming, defended Oswald. We had a regular federal jury, a regular federal judge, no script whatsoever, the original Warren Commission witnesses. And we went at it for 21 hours in London, and uh, that experience there led me to write this book because I, I discovered that the very things that the uh, conspiracy theorists confused or can, uh, uh, accused the, uh, the Warren Commission of, i.e., suppressing the truth and distorting the evidence, it was they who were guilty of these things. And I also discovered that all of these conspiracy theories had absolutely no substance to them, yet the vast majority of Americans were believing it, so I decided to write a book. And that was back in 1986. Why is it so long? As you know, it's 1,600 pages, and then there's a CD with another 1,125 pages attached. One reason is that, as you've already alluded to, this is the first book on the assassination ever to cover the entire case. No uh, other book has ever even attempted to cover the entire case. Uh, but there's another reason here, Doug, why this case, uh, why this book is so long. There are two realities in this case. One is that, at its core, this is a very simple murder case. Uh, Chief Justice Warren, when he was the uh, DA in Oakland, uh, uh, he, he looked back on those years and he said, listen, this would have been a two- or three-day murder case and we would have convicted Oswald. Uh, at its core, it's a simple case. Within hours of the shooting in Dealey Plaza, Virtually everyone in Dallas law enforcement knew that Oswald had killed Kennedy. 
And when they found out what a, what a complete kook he was, uh, they concluded that he had acted, acted alone. That's one reality. The second reality, and probably the main reason why this book is so long, in addition to the fact that it covers the entire case, and that's never been done before, is that as a result, Doug, uh, of the uh, uh, unceasing, unceasing fanatical obsession of literally, I'm not exaggerating, thousands upon thousands of Warren Commission critics and conspiracy theorists from literally around the world, mostly in the United States, of course, who have investigated every single conceivable aspect of this case for close to 44 years and, and made hundreds upon hundreds of allegations, this essentially simple case has been transformed into its present state. And its present state, Doug, is that it's the most complex murder case by far in world history. Nothing even remotely comes close to it. To give you an example, in manuscript form, uh, one of my endnotes, I'm not talking about the main text now, just one endnote on acoustics ran to about 120 pages with about 60 footnotes. So that's why this case uh, took, took so long. I got sucked into the abyss. I could not get out. <laughs> Responding to all of these people, as I'm talking to you right now, there's a hundred of them looking at some document uh, somewhere in this country from the National Archives for, for some hint of a conspiracy. Someone's writing a book. They're coming out one and two every month. But finally, my editor in New York said, Vince, we're going to press. And that was the end of it. If he hadn't said that, I'd be working now around the clock like I've been for years, uh, 70, 80, 90 hours a week, responding to all of these kooky theories. Are, are there criticisms of the Warren Report that you consider legitimate? Well, I, I think uh, the Warren Report should have gotten more into conspiracy. Uh, they did. I mean, there's no question they examined uh, conspiracy and could not find anything at all, but maybe they should have gone into a little bit more depth on, on conspiracy. Uh, they didn't discuss the all-important um, head snap to the rear. Why? Well, because they knew the shots came from the rear. Why did they know that? Well, the scientific medical evidence showed the president was shot twice. Both bullet wounds are entrance wounds to the back of the president's body. Uh, the first one entered his upper right back, entered the, exited the front of the throat. The other one entered the upper right back of his head and exited the right front of his head. So they knew the shots came from the rear. And for whatever reason, they ignored the uh, head snap to the rear. But that, that's a very, very big issue that's convinced millions of Americans that that shot came from the grassy knoll. But all in all, they did an excellent job. And I can tell you that their uh, investigation was extremely uh, uh, meticulous and, and comprehensive. They're the granddaddy of all investigations, and I genuflect before them. And uh, this book would not have been written without the Warren Commission investigation in this case. Well, I have to confess, sir, I've always been a doubter of the Warren Report, but I, I agree with you wholeheartedly about the craziness of many of the contentions made by, by on the assassination, and I've, I've argued with a lot of people in past years. I, I do want to start off here with one of the nuttiest claims. I want you to address this, the issue that some people claim the Zapruder film was altered. Well, that, that, they never used to believe that. The conspiracy theorists uh, would always claim that the Zapruder film was evidence uh, of a shot from the grassy knoll because of the head snap to the rear. But now they've gotten crazier and crazier and crazier, and they're actually uh, alleging that Abraham Zapruder was a member of the conspiracy to kill President uh, Kennedy. They're also alleging, of course, that the Zapruder film, there's books coming out on it, saying it's a complete hoax. How could it be a complete hoax? If it were a hoax, how would it match up with other films and other photographs? 
if you make a film that's a hoax or you alter it, well, then you'd have to alter all the other uh, photographs and films that were taken that day in Dealey Plaza because if there was some other film, like the Nix film or the Muchmore film, and it differed from the Zapruder film, then you would know that the Zapruder film was a hoax. It's just all nonsense, but they will not stop. There's no bottom to the pile in this case. But to, but to say that the Zapruder film is a hoax or altered is just, it's, it's just craziness. And I address it in great depth in the book. Well, you're pretty hard on some of the critics, but uh, having met a few of the people, that, such as the one that's putting out that theory, I thought you went pretty light on them. <laughs> yeah. On the other hand, I can't resist inserting a quip at this point. One person who you mentioned in your book, they responded, it's 1,600 pages, but if you take out all the stuff about us critics being nuts, I think Vince will be left with a pamphlet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, fair is fair. Um, the Warren Commission, sir, was troubled by an inability to ascribe a motive to the assassin. The, the brother of the accused, Robert Oswald, was stunned to get a call from Wesley Liebler, who was at that time trying to write up the chapter on that, and he was stuck for a motive. He was, uh, Mr. Oswald was surprised that he was asking him after all the interviews that, um, that had been conducted for the commission. Uh, you addressed that issue of motive with a whole chapter in the book. Um, what do you say to those people who are troubled by Oswald's lack of discernible motive? Well, motive is never an element of the corpus delicti of any crime. Uh, I've put people on death row without knowing their specific uh, motive. Uh, usually I did, but there were those that I didn't. Uh, all I knew is that they had killed the victim and there was no uh, legal justification uh, for their doing so. Uh, on the issue of, 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 of motive here, no one knows for sure why Oswald killed uh, Kennedy. Uh, even if he were alive today and wanted to tell us, he might not be able to tell us uh, uh, of all the dynamics that were swirling around in his fevered mind at the moment he did this monstrous act. But, but there are certain pieces, Doug, of circumstantial evidence from which we can draw inferences. Uh, I'll just touch on a couple of them. One is that Oswald had delusions of grandeur. Uh, he viewed himself in a historical light. Uh, his diary, he called uh, the uh, historical diary. A um, squad mate of his said that he, uh, that Oswald wanted to do something that 10,000 years from now people would be talking about. His wife, Marina, said that he compared himself with the great historical figures of history whom he read about in, in biographies. So certainly, Doug, this was a fellow who uh, was not trying to cause a... Uh, uh, a ripple, but changed the tide of history. Getting more specific, um, <clears throat> we know that Oswald revered uh, Fidel Castro. Uh, we know that. Uh, and we know he was an ardent supporter of the Cuban Revolution. In fact, in late September, early September, uh, October, just before the assassination, he was down at the Cuban consulate in Mexico City, desperately trying, trying to get to Cuba. And he was turned down, and he was almost crying, and he was yelling, very, very angry. Uh, certainly, Kennedy's support of the Bay of Pigs invasion, uh, whose objective was to overthrow Castro, that angered uh, uh, Oswald. Also, five days before the assassination, Kennedy, in a major foreign policy speech uh, from Miami, said, uh, well, he all but urged the Cuban people to rise up against Castro and promise, promise you, uh, a prompt U.S. aid uh, if they did. And I agree with the, with the Warren Commission and the House Select Committee that, um, uh, Cas uh, that Oswald's uh, love for Castro and the Cuban Revolu Revolution 
played a part in his motivation to kill Kennedy. Why? Well, he was looking upon Kennedy as an enemy of the Cuban Revolution, and by killing uh, Castro and the Cuban Revolution's enemy, he somehow was furthering uh, the Cuban cause. Now, I, I did come across something else, which I have to say my prosecution of Manson played a role in it. Um, and I gave it to the jury in London, uh, knowing again that uh, that we don't know for sure why Oswald killed Kennedy. Oswald uh, did not hate President Kennedy. Uh, his wife, Marina, told me that uh, Lee liked Kennedy, she said. Uh, he was in favor of his civil rights uh, bills. Uh, I don't think he loved him, but uh, he respected certain things about him. And, of course, in London, Jerry Spence uh, argued why in the world would Oswald kill Kennedy when he did not hate him and he even, even liked him. But we do know one thing. He hated the United States of America with a tremendous passion. He wouldn't even let Marina learn uh, 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 English. In any event, how Manson uh, figures into this is that the Manson murders were uh, representative murders. Manson did not know these people whom he was ordering uh, killed. Uh, he didn't know precisely who they were, but he knew they were members of the establishment, and he hated the white establishment. Uh, I'm looking at, so in a sense, they're representative murders. I'm looking at Oswald's diary and preparing for the trial in London, and I see these words. Uh, he says, I've lived under capitalism and communism, and I quote, despise the representatives, that's the key word, the representatives of both systems. Uh, I despise the representatives of both systems. That word leapt off the page to me perhaps more than the average person because of my background in the Manson case. And I told the jury that uh, we don't know why Oswald killed Kennedy, but um, it's certainly possible that uh, Kennedy... Uh, to Oswald was the quintessential representative of a society for which he held a grinding uh, contempt, and that when he was shooting at the president, he was shooting at the United States of America. Uh, you asked a very good question there, Doug. I can't give you an exact answer, but I can tell you there's no question that he killed uh, uh, Kennedy, and uh, motive is never an element uh, that has to be proved by a prosecutor. Although uh, juries want to know motive, because the presence of motive is circumstantial evidence of guilt, just like the absence of motive is even stronger circumstantial evidence of, it, uh, of innocence. But it's, it is not necessary to prove motive to get a conviction. I have a quick question I have for you. You mentioned Marina Oswald. Her testimony, of course, is very incriminating to her husband. I, I did once spend some hours with her and found her to be really very unreliable on factual questions. And so I have to ask just sort of briefly, how, how can we trust the things she said when she did say so many crazy things, like that she held her husband captive in the bathroom so he wouldn't shoot Richard Nixon? Yeah, that, that's a little hard to believe. I've been to that bathroom door there, and I don't know if it's changed uh, since then, but the way it is right now, it would have been pretty hard for her to do that. But this was, uh, when I saw it there, it was, uh, I think, in 2000 and, uh, 2006. But, you know, when you look at her original testimony, Doug, uh, she hasn't changed uh, uh, any of that original testimony. She has changed the main thing, but it's not factual. Uh, it's her belief now 
And for years she believed, of course, and testified that her husband killed uh, Kennedy. And when I uh, interviewed her, I think it was in uh, 2000, she's been so impregnated with all these conspiracy theories, she now believes that Lee, she calls him Lee, that Lee was framed. Uh, but she has not changed the important things that she testified to the Warren Commission about. Now, you've, you've singled out, it shows that you're a student of the assassination. You singled out one thing that didn't seem to make too much sense, but she was interviewed for several days uh, by the House Select Committee and the Warren Commission, and uh, she has not t- changed any of that testimony. Uh, so I really don't know precisely what you're talking about. She did say that she told some lies to the FBI, not under oath, because she was trying to protect her pres- uh, her, uh, her husband. But once she was under oath, uh, I don't think she lied, but she is changing her view now as to whether um, her husband was guilty. But, but, but for example, the guy that was with me at the time we uh, interviewed, uh, the time I interviewed her, he just piped in and he said, uh, Marina, did you take the backyard photos? And she said, yes, I did. And he said, well, that's the end of that issue. That's very compelling evidence that people claim that those photos are suspect. When she says she took them, it's very compelling. Yeah, and she uh, was telling me, she said, Lee would never do such a violent act as kill the president. And I said, you know, Marina, and I didn't go there really to, to interview her on the facts because she's been interviewed a thousand times, but she's a historical figure in her own right, uh, derivatively, and I asked her, I said, now, Marina, you say he wouldn't do a violent act like that, but I said, you do admit, do you not, that he tried to kill uh, Major General Edwin Walker, and she said, uh, yes, he did, and I said, how do you know, and she said, well, he told me. So uh, I think she's essentially an honest person. She hasn't changed her basic testimony uh, as to what happened here. Uh, For instance, on the night before the uh, killing that Oswald begged her to come back to her three times, and she said no, and she wrote a letter to the Warren Commission, in a sense, taking on the responsibility for the murder by saying, God, if I had known that he what he was going to do the next day, I certainly would have come back. He was saying, I can get this used washing machine. They were very poor, and uh, I've got a job now. He's making a dollar twenty-five at the book depository building, and we can get a room in Dallas large enough for the uh, four of us, and uh, she has never changed any of that stuff, but she has changed her view as to whether Leah is guilty. One matter that comes up in the case over and over again, uh, the matter of Lee Oswald being impersonated. Uh, Let's mention briefly the fact that J. Edgar Hoover did call LBJ the weekend of the assassination. He he said that the man uh, on the tapes in Mexico City purporting to be Oswald were not the man they had in custody. There's some other FBO memos that tend to confirm that. Um, uh, What do you say to that? Well, I have a photograph of the of the man whom they thought was Oswald. Uh, he was an Anglo, and uh, Oswald was an Anglo, and they didn't have any photograph of Oswald, but they did have a photograph of this other Anglo, and they just assumed that the one they were talking to when they were talking to Oswald was this Anglo. But I, like I say in the book, when you're standing in for someone, uh, aren't you supposed to at least resemble him? And this person... Uh, who, whose photograph was taken outside the Russian embassy uh, in Mexico City bears no resemblance to Lee Harvey Oswald. So it's silly that they'd have someone impersonating him uh, who bears no resemblance to him. So it's, it's just all silly. And the second silly point is if you're going to imitate him or impersonate him, are you going to do it at the very same moment that he's down there, too, walking between the Cuban consulate and the Russian embassy? They're both walking back and forth. One's impersonating the other. 
aren't you going to run into a situation where someone's going to say, hey, didn't I just tell you 10 minutes ago something? No, it, it's just all nonsense. The book is Reclaiming History, The Assassination of President John F. Kennedy. We're speaking with author Vincent Bugliosi, which we will continue to do after a short break. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. Radio Parallax.